Alright, so I hope you all had a great Christmas and that you made some very special memories this year with family and friends. I had a wonderful Christmas with tons of family. I'm so blessed to have them here in the house this morning. Tons of friends and, of course, way too much food. In fact, I saw quite a few of us here yesterday in the gym trying to work off some of that Christmas cheer. This year was definitely special for me with four generations. Four generations celebrating Christmas together with stories being shared from generation to generation. You know, Christmas has always been my favorite holiday, but there were some things that were rather disappointing to me this season as I noticed. Number one, that more and more people are saying happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas. It seems that they are uncomfortable saying Merry Christmas, or they're trying to be politically correct by saying Happy Holidays. But for me, Christmas is all about the birth of, the, of the, our Christ child, of our Lord and Savior. And so I will always and forever say Merry Christmas. Amen. Number two was the generic Christmas cards. There used to be a time where you could walk into any store and you'd see the beautiful traditional Christmas cards. Christmas cards that depicted the baby Jesus in the manger or the nativity scene or Mary and Joseph and the star of Bethlehem. Beautiful Christmas cards. But these days, I really had to search. When I went into the stores, I saw boxes of Christmas cards that were very generic. And the ones that I saw were like these mittens on the cover, and the inside said, wishing you a warm and happy holiday. Number three was the Christmas music. You know, I do a lot of time going into the community, like Major said, and riding in the car. And this Christmas season, I kept changing channels because I wanted to hear the beautiful Christmas carols. I wanted to hear the Christmas songs like, Joy to the World, the Lord is Come. Let earth receive her king. And more and more in the secular stations, I noticed that they weren't playing those songs. The most popular song this year seemed to be Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. It just seems that the Christmas story isn't being told like it used to be. I want to tell you all a story. By a show of hands, how many of you know the story of Pinocchio? Okay, good. Most of us know the story of Pinocchio. Well, one day, I walked out of my house, and I was walking over to my son's house. It was in a very long walk. He bought the house next door, so it's just out of mine into his, right? And so I walk into his garage, and I see my grandsons, and my grandson, Nehemiah, he's six years old, and he has a twin brother, Nainoa, who's also six years old. They're twins. And they have an older brother, Nazea, who is 10. And so I see in the garage Maya, the 6-year-old, and Zaya, the 10-year-old. And they're setting up the batting cage. And they're going to take batting practice as their father has taught them to do. They very often work out. But Nainoa, the other twin, wasn't there. And he's like the workout fiend. And so I say to Maya, Nehemiah, where's your brother, Nainoa? And he says, oh, Grandma, he's still sleeping. And I was like, really? And then... Zay jumps in, and Zay says, Maya, what are you lying for? Noah's not sleeping. He's changing his shirt. And so like a good grandmother, I said, Nehemiah, 
Why are you lying to Grandma? Do you remember what Pinocchio, what happened to Pinocchio when he lied? And Maya looked up at me, up at me with his sweet little face, and he said, Grandma, who's Pinocchio? <laughs> and it dawned on me that Maya doesn't know who Pinocchio is because Grandma has never told him the story of Pinocchio. That apparently his parents have never told him the story of Pinocchio, and probably in school they have ne never shared the story of Pinocchio. And it really hit me to think about, can you imagine how sad it would be if I said to Nehemiah, Nehemiah, why are you lying? What would Jesus say about you lying? And if Nehemiah looked up at me and he said, Grandma, who is Jesus? That would be an absolute tragedy. But thank God my grandson knows who Jesus is. So I'm thinking, you know, now that the Christmas season has come to a close, we will soon, if we haven't already done so, we'll pack up the Christmas tree, we'll pack up all the lights, all the decorations, all the wrapping paper, and we'll put them neatly away until we need them again next December for Christmas. And I've really been thinking just as we pack everything else away, will the story of the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, also get neatly packed away and stored somewhere until next December when we need it again to decorate the Christmas season? I sure hope not. You see, we have a huge responsibility to make sure that the story of Jesus does not become one of the Christmas decorations, but that we continue to tell the story of the birth of our Savior and the reason for which he was born, and that is for the redemption of sins and salvation available to us all. You see, Jesus is not a seasonal Savior. His saving grace is needed year-round. Generation after generation is depending on us to tell the story of Jesus because more than happy holidays, more than all those Christmas presents, generations to come will absolutely need the gift that is Jesus. And if we are not intentional about telling them about the story of Jesus and about the miracle working power that is in his name, I really shudder to think about how ill-equipped our future generations will be to face the enemy and to be victorious in life challenges. If we are not a generation with intention to tell the story of Jesus year-round, there may very well be a generation coming that will ask their grandmother, Grandma, who's Jesus? Take a look at me at a time in the Bible, in the Old Testament, when a generation of Israelites missed it. Looking at the book of Joshua, I love the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 24. Here in chapter 24, we find Joshua near the end of his earthly life. You all remember Joshua. He took over from Moses and he led the Israelites after Moses' death. Joshua leads the Israelites into Canaan and all is supposed to be great in the promised land. But during this period in his life, Joshua is troubled 
because his end is near and the Israelites have taken to living like their neighbors who are worshiping other gods. Joshua is reminding the Israelites of their tumultuous history and all that God has delivered their people from and all of God's promises that have been fulfilled and all of God's goodness upon them since the days of their ancestors. Let's read in Joshua 24. Starting at verse 14, it says, Now fear the Lord, this is Joshua speaking, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away all the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorite in whose land you are living. Joshua is basically saying, choose. Choose this day who you will serve. And if you're going to choose... Be on either this side or that side. Don't be wishy-washy. And then Joshua makes this great declaration. In 15, he said, But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Such Such a great declaration by Joshua. Have you ever had to declare that? Have you ever been in a situation where it seems that everyone is just doing their own thing, even things that are so blatantly against God and his word. And you needed to find the courage to stand up, stand up for Jesus in the way that you speak and the life choices that you make. It's the right thing to do, but it can often be hard, and it can often be a lonely place as well. But even so, Joshua is encouraging his people to get back on track, Get back on track and worship the one and true God. And in verse 16, the people answer Joshua, and they say, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Again, small g. And it looks like the Israelites have gotten back on track. And so the book of Joshua ends, and the very next book is the book of Judges. And just in the first chapter, and we get into the second chapter, verse 16, it says this. After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to their own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things that the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath Harris in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. Verse 10 says, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, meaning after they died, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord or what he had done for Israel. Isn't that sad? What does this verse tell us? Well, it tells us that the prior generation may have seen and remembered for themselves all the good that the Lord had done for their people and that they even served the the Lord in their own lifetime. But apparently they weren't telling the stories of God's goodness to the next generation because it says here, 
another generation that knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. How sad. Could it be that because they were living the good life now, the verse talks about each to his own inheritance. Could it be that they were living the good life and now they were living on easy street and you know how easy it can be to forget where all your blessings came from when you're living on easy street. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. Sounds too much like today's world, don't you think? Where Christmas has become more about Santa Claus and Black Friday and Happy Holidays than the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Where Jesus has been taken out of the schools, out of our government, and now the world even trying to have less of Jesus in Christmas. So how do we begin to turn it all around? Because we need to turn this ship around. I say by giving the gift that keeps on giving. By making sure that we tell the story of the birth of Jesus and why he came to our sphere of influence, to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors that we share our testimony with others about how God delivered us from evil and the difference that Jesus has made in our lives. That we share about God's goodness and his miracles in our lives. You know, that's what I love about our Sunday Women Bible Study Group. It's a mixture of women in their 60s, in our 50s, 40s, and even 20s. It's such an opportunity for us mature, more mature women to share about our life experiences, always bringing it back to Christ because he has been the difference in every difficult situation. It's been an encouragement to the younger women, especially in the area of relationships and raising children. And sometimes we talk about our husbands, but we won't go there today. <laughs> and it's not been a one-way street. This younger generation has taught us a thing or two and has given us hope for the future. We have such a story from one such young lady in our Sunday Women's Bible Group. Her name is Tiara Tawanu'u, and she has her own miracle baby. Would you please watch this film about baby Saite? I have a son, his name is Saite, and he was born prematurely, and I didn't know that I was pregnant at first. I went to the emergency room because I was experiencing really bad pain, and there I found out that I was 22 weeks pregnant, um, and my son was breached. They told me he would possibly be born with cerebral palsy or some kind of deformity in his body. They came in console and told me that if I wanted to keep the baby or if I just wanted to naturally abort him. So I called my mom and I asked her what she thought about it and she just told me to pray and I'll get the answer. I've always wanted to be a mom so I knew exactly what I wanted to do but I just continued to pray and I felt that God was telling me that here's your chance to be a mom. So I had given birth to my son the next week 
and he was born one pound, 5.2 ounces. He had all five fingers and five toes and he did really good because he was born so premature at 23 weeks and two days. Um, he had to have a open heart surgery. So he's been there for four months. The hardest thing is that I don't get to be there with him every day. I return back to work full time um, because I'm the only source of income right now for my family. I guess the hardest thing is I probably won't get to stay home with him as well. I always pray every day. Um, before, when I first get there, I just kind of talk to my son and remind him that God loves him. Um, and then in between feeds, I would read the scripture, the, that bookmark that we get from every day on Sunday or every Sunday. Um, and then before I leave, I always say a little prayer with him. And it's pretty hard for me, but I tell my son, and I, and I think it's a reminder for myself that God loves him, and he's not alone, that he'll, he's there when I'm not there. And then I just kiss him goodnight and tell him God bless him. It was actually my parents who continued to come to church. I was too afraid to leave for the first month, and my mom was the one that encouraged me to attend the women's Bible study. At first, I didn't want to because I didn't know anyone, but she just told me that there were a lot of prayer warriors praying for Saite, and when Saite passed that critical month of his life, then I came back to church and I came and got to sit in with the women's Bible study and all their prayers and positive um, thoughts have really changed my outlook and strengthened my walk with Jesus. Amen. Yes, we get a good clap offering for God. God is so good. And it's been amazing to see baby Saite grow like that. And Tiara and the family were in the first service. They have uh, since gone to Kaiser. And Saite is in the NICU unit there. And I would just ask for everybody to continue to keep him in prayer. God's miracle baby. Saite Fatuetoa Tawanu. What a beautiful name. Fatuetoa means brave heart. That there is the power of Jesus. And it's a beautiful Jesus story through three generations. You see, we all have our before Christ days, right? And I know Tui and Mila from long ago. And to see where they are today, that they have renewed their commitment to Jesus, is just such a blessing. And then they come to church, and they encourage their daughter, Tiara, to come to church, and she does. And then Mila, mom, encourages or invites strong arms, Tiara, to come to the women's Bible study, and she does. And lo and behold, it becomes an opportunity for this group of prayer warrior women to come alongside Tiara and to pray with her during the hard times and to celebrate with her during the victories. And so we just thank God for that opportunity. And now you, you see this, this clip and how Tiara has made a commitment to raise her son, Saite, in the things of Christ. And she's even invited her sisters to come to church, and now they've been coming more regularly. And that's what the power of the name of Jesus is all about. That's what the story of Christmas is all about. Not just during the Christmas season, 
but year round. And so church, I just want to ask us, what kind of tomorrow will we leave our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren even? It really is up to us to make sure that we tell the story of Jesus so that all will know who Jesus is. And I don't mean just his name, but to help them develop a real relationship with Jesus and to receive everlasting life through salvation, and that they would know that Jesus is the answer to every situation. It is up to us to lead the next generation and to teach them to do the same. You know, I didn't say this in the, in the first service, but I want to share this with you. I want to tell you about my dream job. My dream job, not that I don't love it here, I absolutely love it here, but my dream job, I just had to say that because major of them are sitting right here. <laughs> but my dream job is to retire and to be there every afternoon when my 10 grandchildren hop off that bus, school bus, and come home. My dream job is to have a Bible study with them every afternoon before they take off to their sports activities or wherever it is they're going to go because they're pretty athletic. And my dream job is to see my children, grandchildren, my children as well, but my grandchildren, that they would be warriors for Christ, that they would be kids who follow Christ, that they would be able to, to, to say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, that they would be able to say, I can face all things, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that they would be leaders in their little athletic groups, that they would be leaders in their school, that other children would follow them unto Christ. And so that's my dream job, to be the grandma who follows Christ and my grandchildren, like little ducklings, follow me as well. That's the legacy that I want to live. You see, 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says, So that they may be saved, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ, so that they may be saved. Doesn't that sum it up? Isn't that what the total summation should always be? That everything we do, we do to attract people to Christ so that they may be.